Good morning, Momentum. How are you? Oh, is it not gross outside? So I'm from Ohio, so I'm used to looking out from the indoors and seeing that. But it's usually, it's usually, especially this time of year, connected with cold and like that, that, that biting. You know what I'm talking about? That wind. Debbie, you know, that wind that just like, it just cuts right through whatever clothes you're wearing. You're just like, yes, son of a gun. It just gets a hold of you, and then you get wet to the bone. And you, uh, no, not here. Here you step out in a very hot blanket, just <laughs> it's thrown on you. Goodness. But anyway, so we are, the, we are the few, we are the brave who came out this morning. I'm glad to see you guys. I see a lot of you stayed, not a lot of you, a lot of us. I got to be inclusive. Stayed home because of hurricane. <laughs> what is... What is with disaster preparedness here in Georgia? I'm just wondering that because you guys get prepared. You hunker down like nothing. I went out yesterday and all the sterno was gone. <laughs> That's a lie. I don't, mean, I don't mean to start off by lying. I apologize. Most of you I recognize. A few of you I don't. If you don't know who I am, I'm, I'm Pastor Corey Blair. I... Uh, I'm pastor over worship and over youth. And so, uh, yeah. <laughs> Do we woo that? Is that a wooable thing? Okay. <laughs> no, so, uh, so if, you have a, if you have a high school student um, who is not in our youth group, we meet every Sunday night, 5.30. Do the right thing. Bring them to me and let me corrupt. No. <laughs> no, I enjoy, I enjoy youth ministry. Youth ministry keeps me young. It keeps me in that place where I feel like I'm hip and I'm with it. And I, you know, I can, I only be, that's the only reason I can wear skinny pants. I'm turning 40 in a few months and I can still wear skinny pants. Why? Because I'm a youth pastor. That's how it, that's how it works. So if you're feeling old, just get involved in youth ministry. Right? My goodness. This series, uh, Hope Don't Quit, I'm, I've been so excited about this series because, man, what an amazing opening video that is. Not amazing because, I mean, it really was shot well. Pastor Brantley, wherever you are, if you're in the room, you do, an ama- you do amazing work, right? Come on. Not just that, but man, hearing the stories of the people that sit next to us on a Sunday morning. You know, sometimes you, you don't realize the depths of what people go through. And a lot of times we feel like we go through a lot of that stuff alone, you know? So much of our, our hurt, because we all feel it, so much of, of the, the heaviness of life, we, we kind of we suck that in and, and we're conditioned to kind of, you know, toughen up a bit and, and go through that stuff alone. And man, that's not what we were ever meant to do. Life was supposed to be lived in a community. And man, I'm so thankful to have this community driven by the hope of Christ. Amen? So this series, Hope Don't Quit, is all about our our core beliefs here at Momentum Church. And so over the next several weeks, uh, you'll see many different faces up here going one by one through all of our core beliefs. And this morning, I'm going to be talking about intimacy with God. And uh, just a few short weeks ago, I spoke on the same subject with the youth. So I apologize if you're in the building and you were here a few Sunday nights ago, you're getting the same message, but much better. So much better because adult is why. That's it. Can that be a reason? Because adult, I mean, that's why I have to get up sometimes, because adult, right? Yeah. When you hear the word intimacy, what comes to mind? 
when you first hear that word. Who, who, would it, who is it in your life? Who, who are you intimate with? The family, friends. I'm intimate with my friends. If you're not intimate with me, then we're probably not friends. I'm sorry. No. A spouse, right? Parents and kids. There's different levels of intimacy with all of that stuff. Intimacy. When it comes to relationships, distance is no longer defined by measurement of space. Distance, when we get into a relationship, is defined by our level of intimacy. Have you noticed? We say things like, oh, it's just, we're just, we're so, we're, we're just so much closer than ever before. I've never been so close. Right? What's that mean? It means in, intimacy. Or, or we hear, I just don't know what's wrong with him. He's just so distant. He's sitting beside you on the couch. What's that mean? There, there's, there's a disconnect, right? The intimacy has been interrupted. Something has come between us. There's distance. Yeah? I want to be close. I want to be far. They're so far away. They're so close. They're just, I, I've never felt this way before. All these other things. My sister and I, would you, we're just not as close as we used to be. Guys, intimacy with God is the exact same way. I can't tell you how many times throughout my life I've heard it and I've said it. God just feels so far away right now. I just, I just, feel, I just feel so removed from the presence of God. I just, he just feels so distant. And it's funny how a lot of times, really the majority of the times we feel that way, it's during the bad times, yeah? Right? Something negative happened and all of a sudden it's like, oh, where's, where did God go? Where is he at? He just feels so distant. And we're not, talking about, we're not talking about us in relationship to where he is spatially. We have to realize that when God feels distance, we're feeling a lack of intimacy. See, a lot of times we, we, there, there's, there's so many different concepts within, within, <clears throat> within not just religion, but, but within relationship. There's so many concepts within Christianity and, and how, we, how we grasp onto things and how we understand things. And man, you can get into, you can get into all the, the, the scripture and the heavy head knowledge and all that stuff. But a lot of times, if we, can just, if we can just grasp a simple concept, something that we already understand, but we've never applied to God for some other reason, all of a sudden things begin to make sense. And we as a people, we understand intimacy, don't we? We understand how it works. We understand how it ebbs and it flows. We understand how it works within relationships. And, and we know, we know what, what helps intimacy. We know what kills intimacy. But yet when we work with God, it's all just Bible and worship songs. And we, we, don't, we don't see that relationship for what it is. It's, it's a measurement of intimacy. Am I close? Am I distant? Am I intimate with God or am I not? See, when I, when, I, when I accuse God of being distanced, that, that, that's his fault. But if I look at a lack of intimacy between me and God, then I have to begin to own that. Are you guys with me this morning? Intimacy, this. It's the experience of really knowing and being known by another. Does that make sense? Intimacy, the experience of really knowing and being known by another. I feel it's necessary to speak this morning toward false intimacy. See, we live in a, we live in a culture that, that is just gross with false intimacy. 
one of my big things that I, 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 I just, where I need a soapbox. If I physically had a soapbox, I would jump up on this sucker right now because I got to tell you something, reality TV is ruining us. Talk about false intimacy. False intimacy. I mean, we, we, we just look at, at our pop media and what is important and what isn't important and how connections happen and how can, what, what connection is valuable and what connection isn't valuable. And did you earn my rose? We live in a society that just this past week, a very old pornographer died and all of social media erupted in beautiful RIPs. With no mention to the corruption of marriages that has happened. No mention to the lack of purity and the loss and the degradation of purity throughout the generations that he's done what he has done. No mention of that is, oh, he's just, oh, he's, he's a pioneer. Intimacy has just become corrupted and it's become devalued. And I want to say it like this, false intimacy. And I want us to understand this concept because it's going to be very important later. False intimacy is nothing more than emotional manipulation. When you begin to watch the housewives of wherever. And you look at these relationships and you're thinking, what is wrong with these people? What is, how, how, is, this how, is this how we're supposed to live life? Is, is this how everything is supposed to explode into an argument? Is this, is this how we're supposed to value the people around us? It's all emotional manipulation. This morning, I really want to dive into intimacy. And if we're going to get to that place where we can experience true intimacy with Christ, then there are a couple of things that we need to understand. The first being this. You see what we got? Oh, no. So I really wanted to use two colors this morning. I knew I was going to get red, but green. <laughs> Brantley's laughing because he knows about me and Christmas. <laughs> I've been bamboozled. Well, then we shall use red. Intimacy begins with an acknowledgement of the inherent value of the other person. With intimacy, there's me, there's Christ. And if I want to meet in the middle, if I want to have intimacy with God, I have to begin to understand the inherent value of that relationship the inherent value of the other party. And I think this is why I take such issue with pop media and how it presents intimacy, is it devalues. It's the exact opposite of what true intimacy should be. You see, intimacy is where I begin to see the value in you and I begin to sow into that value and I begin to, to allow that, that, that value to grow and that value becomes something to me to, to where, to where the, 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 that false intimacy, that manipulation, what that is, that's, that's, that says, what value do you bring to me? Does, the, does this relationship look good on my Facebook status? Is this relationship going to pay off in the future? Are you in college yet? What are you studying for? Is that worth my time? How does he look in a bathing suit? 
How does she look in a bathing suit? Well, let's, let's make sure we troll everything and go everywhere. And, and there, there's something that just, it, it, it erupts in flames within me when I, when I see how pop culture and how pop media devalues relationships. I mean, my goodness. I mean, if we really think about what it is, take a young man, put him up, call him a bachelor and parade 20 women in front of him. Which one will you mar- marry? And then you, and then you see, the, and then you just watch this gross display of, of whatever for the next several weeks as we all are supposed to sit on the edge of our seat wondering who's he going to choose and who's he not going to choose. That's, that's, that's not value. That, that's devaluing. That, that's, seeing, that's seeing someone else as livestock. That's seeing someone else as something other than someone of value. And I'm going to say it like this. You can never be intimate with someone unless you learn to see the value in that person. Would you agree? There's three things about value that I really want us to understand. And the first is this, value must be realized. You ever heard the saying, you don't know what you have until it's gone? Who knows the song? Don't know what you got till it's gone. I don't know why, but you have to make a stank face when you sing that. (laughs) Something about it. What's that whole idea? The whole idea is not understanding the value of something until it's gone. Right? I can't tell you how many marriages have been completely obliterated because someone didn't see the value until it was too late. I can't tell you how many relationships I've seen just explode because someone waited to see the value until it was too late. Don't know what you got till it's gone. That is an intimacy killer right away. Right away. And guys, we get in these tough spots with God and we're like, oh, things got crazy. Oh, I need you. And he's all distant. But yet we kind of have that same thing, don't we? We kind of have that same mentality. Oh, wait, things are crazy now. Now I want to pay attention. Things are, things are just, things are falling apart. Now I need you close. Well, you could have had him close the whole time. In fact, may have got you out of some of this junk. May have given you direction. May have steered your life in a different way. May have reprioritized your, your system and your way of thought, your decision-making process. May have been healed way before you got to this point, but now you don't know what you got until it's gone. And of course, it's all God's fault because he's distant, isn't it? We have to get to a place where if we're going to be intimate with God, we have to realize the value that he has in our life. Does God have value in your life? Does Christ have value in your life? Once you get to that place, we realize that the value must be expressed Kristen, I love you with all of my heart. And you mean the world to me. If you guys don't know my wife, she's over there and she hides from everyone. Her name's Kristen. 
<laughs> You're married? Yeah. <laughs> but if I realize that value and I never express it to her, what's going to happen? She gone. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. <laughs> She's out. She's out. And there have been times in our relationship where I've gone silent on some of that stuff, and it's, it's hurt that intimacy. And I'm sure there's been times in your relationships where just life gets busy and you get overrun with things, and, and the problems become more important than expressing value because of, obviously they know how I feel, Right? Obviously, they know I love them. We all have these love languages and we all have these things that we weigh, this is what we operate, but if we get to a place where we don't express the value, then intimacy becomes very fragile. So it's not just enough to understand the value that God has in your life. You have to begin to express that value. You guys with me still? Yeah? Yeah? I'm sorry, here's the, I feel like here's the problem. I know the problem now. I, it just hit me. I just figured it out. This is an epiphany. This is big for me. I'm not having to tell kids to shut up. That's what it is. I'm used to having to like, just stop it, stop it, shut it, shut your mouth. Ah. I, have to, I mean, at least, at least once a week, I threatened to throat punch. I'm just like. I don't have to do it right here. You guys are just so respectful and quiet. You're shaking me to the core. I don't know what to do with my life. When it comes to value, we have to realize the value. We have to express the value. And then we have to realize and see that that value is worth investment. There's things, are you laughing at my handwriting? Oh, you don't even know how good this is. That's the sad thing. Everybody in youth group, you know, this is amazing. I'm writing like a typewriter right now. This is fantastic. Usually I get bored halfway through a word and it just scribbles through. I wish I was joking. Investment. See, we all can understand these principles when looking at our own personal relationships. We understand these principles with, with our friends. I see value in my friends. But if I, if I never express the, the, my, 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 to my friend the value that, that he or she has in my life, well, then it, 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 it doesn't really matter. I, I see the value. I express the value. But you know what? A lot of times, those, those value, that, what, that value, it's worth something to me. When something is worth something to me, I prioritize it, and I will invest in that. I will invest in that friendship. I will invest, invest in that relationship. I will invest heavily in that marriage. I will invest deeply till it hurts into my children. Why? Because they have value. And things that have value in my life, I sacrifice for. Does that make sense? We can understand that in the earthly terms. We can understand that when we really want, we, we really want a new car. We can understand that when the heating bill get, when the heat gets shut off. We can understand that. Yes, that is value. I will, I, will, I will sacrifice everything to make sure I have electricity. I will sacrifice all these things to make sure this person is in my life. But what will we sacrifice to prove the value of Christ in our life? I, I will sacrifice an hour and a half every single Sunday morning. I wonder, Kristen, where our relationship would be if, if I sacrificed an entire hour and a half a week for you. 
I wonder what that would speak toward our intimacy. I wonder how long it would last. Investing in something of value. How valuable is Christ in your life? When we speak of investment, we talk, we talk of all, we talk about the, the main big things, right? Our time, our talent, our treasure, right? Few things in our life are as valuable as our time, our talent, and our treasure. To invest my time through serving, to invest my time through mentoring, to invest my time through getting to know God, through discipleship, through just opening the Bible and reading just a little bit, through, through meditation, to invest my time through fasting and other spiritual disciplines, whatever it may be, to invest my talent, the things that God has, has purposed for me to have in my life in order to be able to use for the kingdom. Debbie, I love that, that you come out here every, every once in a while on a Saturday and I see you doing push-ups and burpees out in the grass with some people. And I'm like, that is not me. But I'm glad, I'm glad she's got that talent and she invests it. People pay her a lot of money to do that. I don't understand. No. <laughs> no. Because you have, there's value there, and you see the value in this place, and she wants to invest in the people. That talent, other, others of you who are really good with kids, others of you who are, who are great with music, or maybe, maybe you just want to get into someone's life, or maybe you want to provide a place for a small group, whatever it may be, you're investing that into the kingdom. You're investing that. Why? Because it has value in your life. How dare I talk about money? And we're right on the edge of something pretty amazing. I can't tell you guys how excited I am for a stupid box to be built. But I just see this as the fulfillment of a promise straight from God to Ross's heart. And it just excites me to the core. Years ago, before I even came to this church... Ross told me, I've got this dream. I've got this dream. This was when he was still, still in the theater. I've got this dream. I want to plant churches. I don't want to get too big, but I want to get to this place. And I remember he told me, and I was like, that's ridiculous. And it may still be ridiculous. But this was years ago. He said, I'd love to plant 20 churches by the year 2020. And I know him. That's just because it's 2020, and he just loves things that either rhyme or in the same numbers, like just how his mind works. But I believe that was from God. And man, when, when we came to this place, it was, it was exciting, but it was like, oh, you know. But man, all of a sudden, I'm beginning to see the fulfillment of a promise that God made to him. And he's chasing after it. And man, he, he can get out and run all day and chase it all day. But if it's just him investing on his own, he's going to die. I, I see the value. in Yeah, it's a, it's a building. It's a box. It's some steel and glass and, and walls, but... But I'm, I'm going to invest. I'm going to invest. Why? Because I see the value and I see the lives that are going to be changed. I see this video that played before service and I want to see that in so many different lives. I want to see it just erupt. God's got so much to do, but he needs us. Amen? Come on, amen? amen. So I want you to answer these questions honestly. Question number one, do I find value in Christ? Question number two, do I express that value on a regular basis? Question number three, do I find him valuable enough to invest in? Moving on, another thing that is a must if intimacy is the goal, it's to trust. 
intimacy necessitates trust. Value. And trust. Guys, we can't be intimate with a person we don't trust, right? Can you? Do you? Who did you marry? No, you can't. I, I can't. I cannot be intimate with a person that I don't trust. I cannot. I tried. I can't. Even. Guys, there's three things about trust. Number one, two, and three. It can be built, it can be earned, and it can be lent. And this is interesting. I want you guys to check this out. Trust can be built. Have you ever built trust with somebody? Yeah? How do you build trust? Through an intentional journey together, yeah? Yeah, you build trust by intentionality, by, by, by being with someone over, over a matter of time and, and by, by seeing how that person operates and being like, you know, I, I, let's, let's do this venture together. Let's, let's experience this together. And after a while, you begin to know that person. You begin to trust that person because you see them in all kinds of different situations and that trust is built. It's a beautiful thing to build trust, isn't it? Yeah? Trust can be earned. And I apologize if I'm right. You're like, oh, this one's capitalized and that one's not. I just, I think the person that bugs most is Jared Hager. He is the font Nazi. And I am a freedom writer. R write, writer, freedom writer. <laughs> Trust that is earned through regular communication over a period of time. Trust can be built through experience or trust can be earned through continued communication over a period of time. Does that make sense? But here's the one that really gets me. Trust, check this out. Trust can be lent. Trust can be lent. You know, I'm gonna, everything tells me I shouldn't do this, but I'm gonna trust you. You ever thought that before? You know what, I, just, I, I don't know you that well, or maybe I do know you that well, and that's why I don't want to do this, but you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you with this, right? And it's amazing, when you get into this area, when you lend trust, it's amazing how either it gets com trusted completely destroyed, or there's this brand new, huge amount of trust that you never thought you would have before. There's, there's times when I've, I'm slowly beginning to trust my kids. Crazy, right? But that trust is lent, isn't it? Come on, that trust is lent. You know what? Your mom and I, we're going to go have dinner, and I'm not getting a sitter. And I'm going to trust that this house will be here when I get back. <laughs> right? And I'm going to trust that all three of you will still be alive. I'm going to trust that the dog has not been roasted. Right? And that trust, it's, it's fra it can be a fragile trust, can it? When you lend trust to, to, to a spouse, when you lend trust to, to a spouse who, who you guys have been rocky for a while, or, or to a child, or to a friend. Or it, it's, but do you, know what, do you know what trust lent is? It's faith. When you lend trust, it's faith. And you know, I, I understand 
it's hard to trust God with some things. And there, there's, there's things, there, there, there's experiences I've been through with God where me and God, we've been, we've been through an intentional journey and we've experienced a few things together. And I, I've built trust in certain areas. And you know, between just, just the years of constant communication between me and God, you know, there's been quiet times and there's been loud times, but there's been pretty constant communication for, for a good amount of time now. And there's been a lot of trust built and there's been a whole lot of different trust earned. But I got to tell you, this trust that's lent is the scariest. Because I don't know what's going to happen. When I, when I lend that trust, I could come back to the house that's burnt down. I don't know what's going to happen. When I lend that trust, when I, when, I, when, I, when I say, God, I'm going to trust you with my family, when I say, God, I'm going to trust you with my finances, when I say, God, I've only got X amount of dollars, but I'm going to invest anyway, and I'm going to lend you my trust. I'm going to put my faith in you because we've built this intimacy and because I need this trust for us to go further. God, we're going to do this together. God, we're going to go through this together. I'm going to tell you something. When you begin to lend trust to God in areas where you are so freaking out, the backside of that is just this bigger trust. The backside of that is intimacy that you never thought you would experience before. And it gets cataloged into this built thing and this earned thing become something more and each time it gets a little easier and that that faith you're always going to exercise that faith you're always going to go that extra mile but you know what you've got that you've got that experience now and every time it's going to build on and build on and build on to the opposite side of that guys when we when we begin to falter and take away some of this trust when we say, God, I, I, I value it, I realize it, and I express it all the time. I, I, I say the best things about you, God. You should hear it. And I, I just love you. But when trust begins to break down because I can't invest in this value, when trust begins to break down and, and I don't lend trust anymore because I don't operate in faith, and since I don't operate in faith, I only operate in what I can see, and the Bible talks directly about not operating through what you can see but what you can't see, and, I, and all of a sudden the trust begins to, begins to erode. i got to tell you something right now. When trust erodes, intimacy evaporates. When faith declines and investment doesn't happen, intimacy evaporates. And all of a sudden, what begins to happen? Where did God go? He's just so distant. Here's another question I want you to answer honestly. In what day, ways do I demonstrate my trust in God? In what ways do I demonstrate my trust in God? Now that we've broached the issue of trust, I feel it's important to point out this final thing here. Intimacy with God will begin an arena of your biggest struggle. Intimacy with God will begin in the arena of your biggest struggle because God wants to be side by side. It's easy to say, God, I want to be intimate on Sunday mornings, right? God, I want to be intimate 
on Tuesday because my paycheck comes on Monday. And that's when I feel solid. Right? I want to feel intimate, Lord. I want to get intimate with you at the end of the school year because everybody graduated. And we, we can breathe now. And that's, this is where I want to get intimate with you. Well, I mean, well, right after vacation. Then, then I want to get intimate with you. Just before fall break, that's when side by side. But when we begin to look at our life, when we begin to see where the trouble areas are, when we begin to look at our life and we see where spiritually we are the weakest, we're never going to experience true intimacy with God if we don't start there first. In the place that we're most vulnerable, that's where we say, God, here I am. All the other stuff is window dressing. If, if, I, if, if I'm, if I'm going to make Sunday morning my, my big thing, if I'm going to make that our entire relationship, well, God, that's false intimacy. It is. That's emotional manipulation. God doesn't want any of that. He wants something deeper. He wants something bigger. Guys, his perfection is drawn to our imperfection so that we can be refined. What, what, is, what is that place for you? What is that place where, where you just can't seem to lend that trust to God? Where is that place for you where it just is so sketchy? It just seems so dark that you don't even want to speak it out loud sometimes. Maybe it's an issue you've been dealing with for years. Maybe it's something you've wanted to kick a habit. Maybe it's a person that, that has been influencing you in ways that you know you shouldn't be. Maybe it's just your decision-making process and how you value things in your life. Maybe it's screwed, screwed up priorities. I don't know what it, for everybody, for every one of us, it's something different. But I got to tell you something, every one of us has that weak spot. We all have that area where God says, please let me in. This, this, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we're going to grow. This is where things are going to get crazy. This is where things are going to get nuts. If you trust me with this, if you can lend me just a little bit of faith, if you can allow me into this area of your life, you'll be the next one on that screen telling your story I tell you right now. Because God says, I want to do amazing things in you. 1 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul says this. Paul says, but he said to me, God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Paul, he goes on to say, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So the question for us at the end of this is, what is that area of struggle? And what would it look like for you to allow God in side by side? Our final truth about intimacy is this. Intimacy requires reciprocation. Someone say amen. I cannot achieve intimacy with someone else all by myself. It doesn't work like that. I can't, who's, who's around? Danny, you're an amazing person, by the way. And I can just say that on, on, on record here. It'll be recorded and, and, and stored somewhere for all time. Danny Kennedy's an amazing man. 
But Danny, if I, oh. But Danny, if, if, if I want to experience an intimate relationship with you, and I want to get into your life, but you're just not into it, it's not going to work. Right? Yeah? Somebody's going to give me a book. He's just not into you. <laughs> Figure that one out. Intimacy needs reciprocation. And so I look at my life and I say, if it takes action from both parties to meet and do a place of intimacy, then what is God's role? I see all the hoops I have to jump through. I see all the, all the, all the things I have to, I see that I have to really get into it and to see value, I have to express that value. I have to invest in that value. I see trust and, and that it's built and earned, but I see that I have, to, I have to be the one that steps out in faith. And I see this whole side-by-side idea and, and I'm wondering if, 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 if intimacy is this, this give and take, if intimacy is I can only go halfway, you've got to come to rest. What is God's role in all of this? So glad you asked. Value. Who can quote John three sixteen? That's good. For God so loved me. Sometimes we, we depersonalize things. <laughs> the world. God so loved me. He valued me. Enough to allow his only son. My firstborn is sitting right over there. I don't love you that much. I can't sacrifice him for you. I don't value you that much. Is that a harsh thing to say? Can I be vulnerable in a moment and just say, I, I love you. <laughs> I like you as a person. I see value in you, but not that much. But God sees that much value in me. God sees that much value in you that he would not just realize it, not just, not just express it, but he would invest the most deep investment ever in me and in you. Yeah, he's, he's come halfway. He's come halfway on the value. Would we agree on that one? How about trust? First Thessalonians 2. See, when it comes to trust, we wonder what, what in the world could God trust us with? First Thessalonians 2, on the contrary, this is Paul speaking, we speak as those approved by God and entrusted with the gospel. What is the most valuable thing to God? Well, it's you. What's the most valuable thing to God? It's me. What's the most valuable thing to God? The lost sheep. Because he will leave the 99 church folk to go find that one that's lost. What is the most valuable thing? It's his word. It's his message. It's his truth. And he's saying, I got to trust you. 
Could God stand in the heavens and with clouds all around him? And could he shout down? Yeah, he could. He could. God could come, come back and, and, and be 20 foot tall with a big gold beard and all kinds of weird things and just shout out the truth. Yeah, he could. But instead, he trusts me and he trusts you with his word. How about this? In Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. Why? To do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Us, me, you, every person in this room. Not just his word, but he trusts us with his work. I love that we can say that that momentum is not just a church in Woodstock, it's a church to Woodstock. That's how we should all be. That's what every church should be. Why? Because because we are the ones that are supposed to be doing his work. If someone's going to be reached outside of these walls, we're the one who's going to be doing it. Could God come down and fix every radiator in the world? Yeah. He wants Danny. (laughs) Greatest guy in the world. Could God come down and scare the junk out of me and make me exercise? Yeah, but he wants Debbie. (laughs) Could God come down and sit with a baby and keep that baby happy until the parent gets out of church? Yeah, God wants Kristen. God wants Sharla. Could God come down and put all of our kids straight? Yeah, but he wants Tyler and Heather. Guys, God has trusted us. Has he come halfway with trust? Yeah, I think he has. We get to the final one, side by side. We go back to 2 Corinthians 12, 9 that we read earlier. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where we heard Paul. We heard Paul saying, Therefore, I will boast more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ rests upon me. I noticed in the way that's written, he said that after. He said that after God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. In other words, God came first. God said, my power is nothing if I can't help you. My power is is, is wasted if I can't come side by side with you. If I can't stand and guard your back while you're battling things, if I can't hold you up when you fall down, if I can't breathe life into you when the world knocks the wind out of your sails. And then Paul says, let's do it. He's come in every single way God has expressed intimacy. One of my favorite people in the Bible is David. Because David was just this vulnerable guy, you know? The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And David, man, he went through all, all kinds of just crazy stuff as a young man. And I can't imagine the pressure that he was under. I mean, we all, we all have our ways of dealing with pressure, don't we? We all have our things. Maybe we hide. Maybe we go to a vice. Maybe we yell. So we, but we all, some of us just sit and stew in our own anxiety. I mean, David, he, he made a big mistake out of his pressure. He made a big mistake. But the way that he begins to open up and you read his story, the way he, he doesn't use that moment and say, God, it's just so distant. 
He doesn't use that moment to say, God failed me. He uses that moment to pull God side by side. Intimacy is to know and to be known. I'm going to do my best to read David's words. You have searched me, Lord. Do you know me? You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my laying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All of my days have been written in your book before one of them came to be. That God is here this this morning. And he says, I want you to know me as intimately as I know you. This is why he tells us to come as we are, because he already knows us. And an attempt to present anything else would be false intimacy. He doesn't want the cleaned up Sunday version. He wants you, because he knows you. I know you, man, Tom, you're my friend. I've known you a few years. I was your best man. If I invite you to my house and you get dressed up, what are you doing? And I know your weird sense of humor. If you come to my house and you tell just these, like, really lame jokes, I'm like, what are you, where's your color, man? I don't want that, I don't want fake Tom. I want real Tom. I want flawed Tom. I want the Tom who's just a bit too touchy about things. Because I know Tom and I value Tom. I've invested in Tom. I trust Tom. I want Tom side by side. Final question. If you'd bow your heads with me. If you haven't already, this is the final question. Will you begin that journey toward intimacy today? Will you begin that journey? Answering these questions that I've asked. Do you value God? Can you make place in your life for Him? Can you discover what it is to trust and to have faith? Can you pull him in side by side in those ugly places in your life? This is what it is to 
have intimacy with God. I'm going to tell you something right now. When you get to that place, when you begin walking that journey, you will find out very quickly that hope don't quit. And it's just going to keep coming for you and keep coming for you and keep coming for you and keep coming for you. Because that's what a father does. If you're here this morning and you want to start that journey, just raise your hand real quick. I just want to see you in this place. All right, I see that. I see that. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, anybody else? Yeah. Absolutely. Everybody just pray with me. Heavenly Father, God, open my eyes to your value. God, open my eyes to your value. God, I want to begin that commitment. God, I want, I want to step out. Maybe I've been Christian for a long time, but I've just lost sight of what intimacy is. God, I want to get back on the boat. God, I want to get back in this thing. Lord, your promise is that you will draw near to me as I draw near to you. God, let's start today. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We give you all the praise for everything you're doing in our life. And God, I want nothing more than for you to be intimate with me and for me to be intimate with you, to know you the way you know me. We love you and we give you all the praise. In your name we said, everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's give God a praise this morning. Yeah. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.